Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 127. I want to read a quick verse out of Psalm 127 and then spend the majority of our time in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. So if you have trouble finding 1 Chronicles, it's right before 2 Chronicles. We're kicking off a series called Rooms to Grow. Come on, somebody say Rooms to Grow. Rooms to Grow. This is going to be a a family series. We're going to talk about the family dynamic, and we're going to use the house as a metaphor. It's going to be a picture that will guide us through the different topics over the next several weeks. Each week, we're going to look at a different room in the house. We're going to talk about what it represents and how we can grow in it. And I just want you to know that my heart for you is that you would be healthy. You would be healthy in your home. I just believe that the strength of the church can be dialed back to what's happening in the home. Can I have a good amen? And you know, there is an attack on homes today. You know, I think we live in a culture, we live in a period where, you know, there's so many things coming against families and, you know, coming against husbands and wives and and children and, and, and grandkids. You know, I want you to consider this, that a job generates an income, but a house, a home cultivates an outcome. Come on now, did you catch that? Before we even get started, man, I'm I'm laying something heavy on you right now. You know, a lot of times we focus on our jobs because we're concerned about income, and I get that. we got to support and serve our families and care for the ones that we love. But if we're not careful, we'll just fixate on a job that generates an income and we'll neglect a home that cultivates an outcome. I want to talk about the culture of what's happening in our homes. You know, I'm convinced that what's happening in your house is more important than what happens in the White House. Oh, come on now. Check that. Sometimes we get so concerned, and I'm not saying that government isn't important, but I promise you, there's not a single thing happening in the White House that's more important than what's going on in your house. And through this series, I want to come alongside you as your pastor to empower you and to equip you. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, come on, somebody, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do you no good. How many of you, you want God to not only be the architect of your home, but the builder of it? I want him to be the foundation. There's strength in a home when God is the architect and the builder of it. Now, let me be quick to say this. Before we get headlong into this series, I realize that doing a family series in a church this size, it may feel like it doesn't apply to certain people. You're like, okay, great. Pastor, you've just told us for the next four or five weeks, you're going to talk about families, and I'm here today, and I'm single, 
I know that everybody's in different places on the family spectrum as it relates to this dynamic. Maybe you're a student or maybe you're single again. Maybe you're a young professional. Maybe you're married today and you don't have children. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have a blended family. Maybe you have grandkids. I promise you this. What we talk about through this series will apply to you at whatever stage of life you find yourself in. I just believe that the word works when you put it to work. And you're going to hear some timeless principles. It's good for married people. It's good for single people. Maybe some of you have a dream in your heart to build a family one day. And this can help you as you pray and position yourself for the future. Uh, Maybe some of you are reflecting back and how you were raised. And, you know, this series is not built on regret. But I think that we can all learn and apply what God's speaking to us in this series. And so I would ask you, don't dial out. Please, don't check out and say, man, I guess I got to, you know, let me skip around and and I'll I'll see you in a month, Pastor. No, I believe God has something for you today. Amen? And so today I want to talk to you, as we look at the different rooms in this house, the room I want to talk to you about today is the living room. Okay? So we're going to talk about the living room. Join me in the living room and we're going to unpack what the living room represents. Isn't that cool? Check that out. Whoa, come on somebody. Wow. How many know we got some creative guys and gals? Come on, can you show your love for the creative team that put that together? That was awesome. In fact, I didn't mean to fully see that. Do that again. Can you do that roll in one more time? Check that. There's a roof line. Come on, Shane. You're helping me with the leak in my roof. Come on. Uh, So we got going from the roof down into, look at this. Check out what's on the TV screen. HPC online. What's up? What's up? And then look at the family photos there hanging on the wall. Isn't that cool? I love that. I didn't know they were going to do that. That's fantastic. The the living room. You know what? The living room is where we gather. I want you to think about your living room. The living room is the place where relationships are built. How many of you like to chill in your living room? How many of you have a favorite chair and that is your chair? Oh yeah. The kids know what daddy's chair is. And if they're in my chair when I walk into my living room, they better stand to their feet. Come on, somebody. I like my chair. I got a little ottoman that I kind of prop my, how many like to prop your feet up after a long day? Sit in your favorite chair. Oh, I love it. You know, and a living room says a lot about the values of a, of a family. You know, how, how the furniture is spaced out and how we design it. And, you know, some living rooms, you got to be very careful. You can't eat in the living. How many of you have a no food policy in your living room? Okay, yeah, how many of you, man, you taking that plate and you're sitting on the couch because the game is on and you're going to eat and prop up your feet right there? Okay, yeah, how many of you ever been to a house and they still had plastic covering their furniture? (laughs) Who are these people? Come on, man, you're not just showing a room, you got to live in that place, right? The living room is where we chill. It's where we have conversations. The living room is where we have family meetings or maybe game night. How many of you like game night? Yes, indeed. You're all gathered around. And, you know, the, the, the living room is where you drink coffee. I, I confess this in our first service. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear my soul to you today. This may change your opinion of your pastor, okay? I may lose some points sharing this, but I have a confession. Do you know that I have never had a cup of coffee in my life. Does that change things for you? 
I saw three families packing up their Bible and walking out. I don't, I don't have any objections to it. I've just, I've never tasted it. I've, I, I, don't, I don't do coffee, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't know why. If you invite me to coffee, I'm going to get a smoothie. Come on, somebody. How many of you between the Holy Ghost and coffee? I mean, that's kind of your go-to to get started in the morning. Yeah, so what you see on Sundays is caffeine-free, baby. It's straight Holy Ghost. Some of you, you, you use your living rooms as like a, a spot to dump laundry and to fold clothes. You know, th- this is a space and an environment that, that kind of becomes the centerpiece of the home. And I want to, just for a few moments, talk about the living room and look at the culture of our homes and, and what we do to create space for these outcomes that we're believing God for. In First Chronicles chapter 13, I want to primarily teach out of this passage of Scripture and speak to you about an Old Testament guy that very few people have heard of, okay? He's kind of a, an obscure guy, but God uses him in a dynamic and in a major way. And so when we talk about healthy homes and the culture of our homes, let's look at a guy named Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom. Edom. Now, let me give you some context before we get into 1 Chronicles 13. Okay, the Bible says that David, he's the king of Israel, and he just made Jerusalem the capital city. And so what David wants to do is bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. How many of you remember several months ago when we did that series on the tabernacle? You remember that? Only two of you remember that? Man, I preached my heart out. Remember the tabernacle? Remember the layout of the tabernacle? And you have the outer court, and then you have the holy place, and the most holy place. And in the most holy place was the, yes, we got a handout. Yes. It's still with us. In the most holy place is the Ark of the Covenant, right? And it was that box that represented the the very tangible presence of God. Inside the Ark was a jar of manna, was Aaron's rod and the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. So this was very sacred and meaningful. Uh, David has made Jerusalem the capital city, and he wants to bring the ark into Jerusalem. And so the story has it that as they're transporting the ark, they didn't do it the way they were supposed to. The ark was supposed to be uh, transported by priests who would carry the ark on poles. Instead, they, they put the ark on a cart, and it was pulled by a team of oxen. And the Bible says that one of the oxen stumbled, and the cart began to come up apart, and so the ark that was on the cart was falling off of it. As it was falling off, a guy named Uzzah, everybody say Uzzah. I don't know why mama named him Uzzah, but we're going to find out some, there's some crazy Old Testament names here. You just watch. So as the ark is coming off the cart, Uzzah tries to steady the ark and he touches it. And the Bible says as soon as he touches the ark, he dies. And so David is at a loss. He doesn't know what to do. And the scripture says this in, in 1 Chronicles 13, verse 13. So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. Now, I want you to imagine this. Uzzah dies because he touches the ark. David is at a loss. He needs a different plan. Imagine David saying, okay, Uzzah, he gone. Um, We got to do something with this ark. Any volunteers? Um, Obed, Obed Edom, yeah, we're going to bring this ark to your house. How many of you might be a little freaked out? 
Now think about it, okay? Now I know we're, we're living in the New Testament and we know this story and we have context about the presence of God. But after having seen that moment and that episode, I wonder what Obed-Edom was thinking whenever David said, we're bringing the ark to your house. I wonder what the first couple of days might have been like in Obed's house. I wonder if Obed might have said, hey, take the ark and put it in the, in the guest bedroom because none of us are going in there. I mean, you just got to be cautious. You got to be careful. And, and, and in this, when we talk about God's presence, I want us to make room for this thought because we sing of being friends of God. I am a friend of God. Remember that song? I am a friend. Uh, uh, uh. I love singing. <laughs> I told Rachel the other day, I said, babe, do you love it when I sing? She said, I love your preaching. I said, that's not what I asked. I said, do you love it when I sing? She said, keep the preaching. <laughs> we talk about being friends of God, but I want to tell you this. We also got to learn the fear of the Lord as well. There's a, there's a respect when it comes to his presence. Can you imagine what Obed, his wife, his children thought when the ark came into his home? Cautious, careful. You know, my mom had a way of bringing complete honesty out of us as children. When we were in trouble, you ever, you ever done something wrong as a kid and you were caught red-handed and you were confronted by your, one of your parents? No? Y'all look like angels out there. Man, listen, kids can get creative when they're held accountable to what they've done. And I remember my mom used to have a way of bringing total honesty out of us. She, I was prepared with all of my, you know, stories of what happened and what had happened was and how it happened. And mom would say this. She'd say, Mike, in front of Jesus, I want to ask you a few questions. It's like, why you got to bring Jesus in this? Hey, no, 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 no. You're messing up my plan. Let me ask you this. What if the ark was brought to your house and you lived in front of Jesus? Every moment in front of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Would it change the way you talk? Would it change how you treat your spouse, your children? Would it change what you watch on TV? Come on, somebody. Boy, it's getting quiet in this Methodist church. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait, this is a Methodist church? It's not. I just said that. <laughs> Look at what it says in verse 14. The ark of God remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. Somebody say three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, if we're going to have health in our homes, in our children, in our relationships, we've got to welcome God's presence. Welcome his presence. The scripture says, Obed welcomed the presence of God into his home and everything was blessed. I'm telling you something about the presence of God. When you prioritize God's presence in your home, then your house will be blessed. How many of you want a blessing on your house? 
Some of you I've talked to, you've built your homes and you wrote scriptures on the studs. How many have done that before? Maybe in the concrete, you put in a verse or something. Or, or for, for some of you, our pastors, and I've been a part of this, I love doing a house blessing. Maybe you're moving into a, a new place and you say, Pastor, come pray for us. I mean, you, you're laying hands on every doorway and, and walking through the house. You, you want that to be a space and a place where the presence of God is honored. And wherever God is welcomed, his blessings will follow. Come on, can you help me today? Think about it. Obed's house was so blessed. Three months, the ark of God was right there in his house. Pantry always full. Refrigerator, nothing got moldy. Light bulb never went out for three months. Didn't have to change a furnace filter. Come on, somebody. Man, his grass was so green. Brother, yard of the month, every month. Man, Obed's house was the house to go to. Hey, Obed, the game's on tonight. Can we watch it at your place? How many want to be that house? God, I want your favor on my children. God, I want, listen, when you walk into my house, I want you to sense the spirit and the presence of God. But listen, God blesses the place that he's welcomed into. When you welcome God's presence, your house is blessed. But when you resist his presence, your house is a mess. Come on. Chaos, division, strife, drama. Come on. Anybody? Are you with me? You know, the closer God is, once you consider this, the closer God is to something, the more ordered and aligned it becomes. The farther God is from something, the more chaotic and confused it becomes. Case in point, government. (laughs) When you take God out of government, look at the chaos and confusion. When you put God into government, when you put God into a school system, when you put God into a business, when you put God into your family, the more ordered and aligned it becomes. Are you catching this? You see, Obed welcomed the presence of God into his home. It's almost like, have you seen those welcome mats? You go up to somebody's front door, it's got a welcome mat. What is that mat saying? Well, really, the mat serves two purposes. First of all, I say, get that dirt off your feet. Don't be tracking in that trash into my house. Come on. But the, the word welcome says, come on in. You're invited Make yourself at home. Can I tell you, God wants to make himself at home in your heart, in your family. Is your spirit welcoming? God, I invite you. Come in and do what only you can. Was that thunder that was? See, even God's saying amen right now. I remember that song we used to sing, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Y'all remember singing that? No? What about welcome into this place? Welcome. Man, I just, I'm singing today. I don't even know why. See, when you invite him in, when he's embraced, when he's honored, some of you are like, okay, well, pastor, how does that look in your house? You know, you're the pastor. I'm not. What, what, What do you do in your home? Surely your children just gather at your feet. Every time you open your mouth and, and you give a Hamanism, they're there taking notes because note takers are history makers. Yeah, and, you, and they're putting their 10 stringed instrument together over every profound piece of wisdom. Can I tell you, it don't work like that in my house. It don't. 
I live in the same world that you live in. But you know what? There, there are three things I think that you need to consider when it comes to prioritizing his presence. Number one, be intentional. Be intentional about it. Number two, be habitual. Create a routine. And number three, make it normal. Okay? intentional, habitual, and normal. Write those things down because this is going to look differently in every home. But if you can abide by these principles, you can create something in an atmosphere, an environment in your home that your children will be blessed by. You know, when our kids were, were little, we would tuck them in bed every night. And we went through this little routine where we would say, okay, name one thing you're thankful for. How many know you tell them to name one thing and they, they say like 10 things? And it's awesome. Prayer time when they're small is amazing. And when they're teenagers, you can't get a word out of them, you know. I'm like begging Trevor, surely you're thankful for your dad, (laughs) the church? I don't know. I'm thankful for the dog, you know. So we say, name one thing you're thankful for. Okay, name one scripture that you're trying to memorize, all right? We we do scripture memory at our house. And I, I don't mandate it, but I encourage it. So we start out with simple things like John 11, 35, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. If you didn't know a verse, now you do. Memorize it. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. We were on Jesus wept for a long time. So one thing you're thankful for, one scripture you're memorizing, and then we would say our prayers. Well, now we, I've got a 22-year-old. I've got an 18-year-old. And, and you know what? I'm in bed before they are. Now they're tucking me into bed. We don't do that anymore. But there's still certain routines, you know. There, there's certain things. You can talk to God and you can talk about God and you make it normal. You You put God in the center. You know, be more God conscious. Can I have a good amen? Take your normal routines and say, how do I include God in this? Sometimes I pick up Trevor from school and I'm like, hey, hey, what was the highlight of your day? What was the best part of it? And I say, okay, what was the toughest part? Go highlights, lowlights, and then how do you feel about it? Best part of your day? What was the toughest part of your day? How did that make you feel? That's just a little tool to get kids to start talking. And then you say, when you're talking about life, how do you incorporate God in it? Be intentional. Create habits. Make it normal. Uh, Trevor told me the other day, he said, Dad, I want to catch 10,000 passes in the offseason. Because he's a football player going into the eighth grade. He saw that Joe Burrow was throwing 10,000 passes to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Dad, I'm a receiver. I want to catch 10,000 passes this summer. I'm like, well, okay, how many days are in the offseason? So he counted them up, 115 days. I said, take 10,000, divide it by 115, and that's your number. That's what you got to catch every day. 10,000 passes by the end of the summer. He's got to catch 87 passes a day. 87. So if he's catching 10,000 passes, guess who's throwing 10,000 passes? Yeah, I mean, I got some rotator cuff issues right now. But it doesn't matter. Rain or shine. Tornado warnings meant flash flooding or sweltering heat. He's saying, Dad, 87 today? We getting 87 today? Why? Because he's made a decision. It was intentional. He's created a habit. And guess what? Now it is normal. Can I have a good amen? Obed welcomed the presence of God in his house for three months. Three months. God blessed his house. Let me ask you this. What if you were to take the three-month challenge and say, June, July, August, I'm going to do some things differently in my home. I think you could have the greatest summer you've ever experienced. And your kids would be prepared for school in the fall like they've never been before. Number one, welcome his presence. Are you getting this? Check this out. Now, David sees the blessing on Obed's life, and he wants some of it for himself. 
Now, I'm telling you this. When God starts blessing your life, people will take notice, and they will want that. I think there ought to be something attractive about the church. It's a good place to say amen. I think there ought to be something attractive about your life. The blessings on you are not just for you. Come on, somebody. People say, hey, I want a little bit of that. David, he didn't know what to do with the ark, so Obed, you take it, you take it. Three months now, Obed's life is just blowing up. Man, he's seeing the blessing and the favor. Now David says, you know, let's try this again. I want to take the ark from Obed's house, and let's see if we can't get it into the capital city of Jerusalem. Now notice who's chosen to guard the ark, First Chronicles 15, 24. Check this out. The Bible says, Shebaniah, Josh, Joshaphat, Nathaniel, Amasiah, Zechariah, Benaiah, Eli, 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 Eliezer. Listen, if y'all are searching for kid names, <laughs> there's a lot in the Old Testament that's untapped, okay? If you want something unique, I'm just helping you, all right? I'm helping you. All of these guys were priests. They were chosen to blow the trumpets as they marched in front of the ark of God. But watch this, Obed-Edom and Jehiah, they were chosen to guard the ark. Now watch this, Obed welcomed God's presence and now he was chosen to guard God's presence. Number two, guard your home. Guard your, welcome God's presence into your home, but then you gotta stand watch and be on guard to protect the spirit that's in your home. Obed-Edom was of the tribe of Levi. He was a Levite, and they were tasked with the security of God's possessions. Can I tell you this? As a parent, you are tasked with the security of what's happening in your home. The spirit of your children. Can I tell you, we live in a culture that is anti-God, anti-Christ. The spirit of anti-Christ is already here. And the, 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 the man of, the, of destruction and perdition has not shown up yet, but the spirit, the stage is already set. And as a parent, as grandparents, you realize we're in a battle for something here. And I'm not fighting against culture, but I'm trying to protect the spirit of Christ in my home. We've got to guard what our kids see. You know, I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't have cell phones or, or social media. But with the advance of technology, man, there are so many things that are targeting this next generation. Our kids and grandkids are fighting battles that we'd never even dreamed of. And we've got to stay on point. I'll never forget Pastor Larry Stockstill. He's one of my, uh, he's one of my uh, uh, spiritual overseers. And when he came and preached for me, this was about eight years ago, when Rachel and I first stepped in to, to be lead pastors of the church, I invited him to come preach for us. And afterwards, we, we had lunch. And it was him and Sister Melanie and Rachel and me. And he told me this, and I never, never forgot. He said, Mike, as the pastor of HPC, you are now the gatekeeper of that place. You're the gatekeeper. And I never heard language quite like this, but he said this, whatever you allow into your life, you give entrance and access into the church. Can I tell you, parents, grandparents, you are gatekeepers. And whatever you invite into your life, you give access into your kids and into your grandkids. That's why in protecting our kids, we have to protect what's happening in our own soul. You say, well, you know what? Well, they're just kids. I'm older. I'm old enough to do certain things. Can I tell you this? There are some things you'll never be old enough to do. Can I say that again? 
There are some things you'll never be old enough to do. We have to protect. My dad would say this, son, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Are you with me today? That's why we have to be intentional, not only about welcoming his presence, but guarding what God has put in our homes. Let me ask you this. How many of you, when you went to bed last night, you made sure that the door, your front door, was shut? Some of you sleeping with your front doors open? Where y'all living at? I want to move there. Okay, how many of you made sure that not only that door was shut, but it was locked? Not only that it was locked, but it was dead bolted. Not only that it was dead bolted, but it had a chain on the door. And if you have a security system, after you did all that, you set the alarm. Yeah, yeah. And if you live in Livingston Parish, you got that pit bull on the front porch. Come on, somebody. I'm just teasing. Everybody say, God bless Livingston Parish. I love what God is doing in, in, in the church and in all of the pet community. There's sometimes, you know what, my wife, I didn't say this last service, there's sometimes that I'll take the trash to the front because it's, it's trash night, trash comes the next morning, and I'll walk out the door and I'll, I'll take the, the trash can to the curb. And by the time I get back to the house, the door is locked and the alarm has been set. I'm like, hey, why do we do this? Because what is in our homes is worth protecting. The spirit of your children. There's something valuable in your home, and so you want to protect it. And I'm not just talking about possessions. Come on, are you with me? We've got to guard. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus, he protected God's house. He was a guard. Now, Jesus was gentle. Yes, he was. Was he meek and mild? You better believe it. Children played at his feet. You know, but sometimes I think we get this picture of Jesus as being this weak, fragile, timid, apologetic God. Can I tell you, he was a man's man. And in John chapter 2, the Bible says he, he saw the money changers in the temple. They were buying and selling. And so he said, boom, that, that, uh, that not in my house. The Bible says he made a whip. How many of you know a man's man will make a whip? Man, he, he made a weapon. He's cracking that whip and he's kicking them out. And the Bible says that the disciples remembered the scripture that had been prophesied years ago. Passion for God's house will consume me. God was so passionate about his house that he was willing to protect it. Can I tell you this? We welcome his presence, but then we have to guard our homes with what he's given us. All right, can I have a good amen? Now, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. Number one, we welcome his presence. Number two, we guard our homes. Let me, let me give you this last thought. Once the ark of God entered into the city of Jerusalem, David set it up and he put some men in place to take care of it. And we hear one final thing about old Obed-Edom. Check this out. First Chronicles 26.4. Now, bear with me. I got a lot of names here. The sons of Obed-Edom, they were also gatekeepers. They were Shemaiah, the oldest, Jehozabad, the second, Joah, the third, Sachar, the fourth, Nathaniel, the fifth, Emil, the sixth, Issachar, the seventh, and Puella, Master P, the eighth. (laughs) These are his sons now. They were gatekeepers as well. God had richly blessed Obed-Edom. Now, it's not just about Obed, but listen, listen to his sons. And Obed's son, 
Shemaiah had sons. Now we're going into the grandchildren. And they, 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 were, they were men of great ability. They earned positions of great authority in the clan. Their names, here we go again, Othni, Raphael, I guess he was a ninja turtle, uh, Obed, uh, Elzebed, their relatives, Elihu and Samachiah. They were also very capable men. All these descendants of Obed-Edom, including their sons and grandsons, 62 in all, were very capable men and well-qualified for their work. Now, here's what happens. We welcome his presence into our homes. We guard it. We protect our kids. We are a filter. Keep the bad stuff out. Allow the good stuff in. Guess what happens? Now we're positioned to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy. You see, listen, this is not just about you. This is about your seed. This is about your children and your grandkids. Obed's greatest legacy was not something he accomplished, but it's who he positioned and the generational blessing that followed. How many of you, you want not only to be blessed, you want your kids to be blessed? How many of you want your kids' kids to be blessed? You see, there's a, there's a generation. Well, I've got cold chills right here. Whew. Thank you, Lord. I think about the, the generational blessing that I'm under. You know, my great-grandmother, her name was Roxy America Stroder. For real, her middle name was America. Roxy America. This is my great-grandmother, my dad's grandmother. And she was so faithful to church, went to a little Assembly of God church. Now, this church had a lot of problems. They had pastors come and pastors go. And, and this one particular pastor was not, I mean, he was making poor choices. He wasn't acting right. And my grandmother was just so committed to the house of God. And this pastor would preach and try. He'd try to excommunicate her. He tried to kick her out of the church. You know what she told him? She said, listen, preacher, I was here before you came. And I'll be here long after you're gone. And you know what? She was right. They had to move that old guy out, man. Sometimes there are wolves in sheep's clothing. But my great-grandmother loved God so much. She was so committed to that little Assembly of God church. Well, listen, my great-grandmother raised my dad. She was the primary influence in his life. And so if, if, if grandma's going to church, guess who's going to church with her? <laughs> my dad was. Some of you, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, youth service, choir practice. Maybe that's why I love to sing. Every time the church doors were open, man, I was going to be there. Where did I get that from? I got it from my dad. Where did he get that from? He got it from his grandmother. Where do my kids get it from? My great-grandmother. Do you see now, here I am under a waterfall of blessing. And it wasn't anything that I did to create it. But it was the sacrifices of those who went before me. So now, let me, let me be quick to say this. Let me, oh, let me, I got to tell you this. Because some of you are like, well, pastor, I don't have that kind of spiritual legacy that you have. Maybe you came from brokenness and dysfunction. Maybe you are a first-generation Christian. Can I tell you this? You can't do anything about your ancestors. But you can do something about your descendants. You can do something today that creates a generational blessing for their tomorrow. Do you receive that? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. 
take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.